Chris Moraz, and welcome to the Oklahoma Business Show, where we speak with business owners and leaders about their struggles, successes, and things they've learned along the way. Welcome back, everybody. Delighted to have you here at the Oklahoma Business Show, and super excited today to have Matt Tipton with us with YHR. So, uh, Matt is the owner of YHR, uh, an HR firm for small and mid-sized businesses, uh, and the co-owner of Physicians Local, a marketing company for physician-owned medical centers. So right. I'm going to start off. I always like to just let you, Matt, give us a little better bio than what I can do. <laughs> uh, well, first off, thanks for having me, Chris. This is really cool. I like what you're doing. Uh, and... Um, you know, for myself, I mean, it, that is what it is. You know, I'm a business owner, first and foremost, of uh, YHR. That is my background. Uh, everything else has just kind of come up uh, through happenstance. And I've been, uh, you know, very thankful and ridden that wave. Uh, but overall, I've been in the HR field now almost 20 years. It's my background. One of those few guys that, you know, went to school for a degree and then actually did it. <laughs> and, and stayed with it, uh, where most people kind of veer off, which is totally respectable. Uh, but no, I've stuck with it and made a career out of it. And I'm very thankful for it. Awesome. I love it. So I think that your name, your company name is the perfect place to start YHR. Why do companies, the size you work with, uh -huh. need to worry about HR? Okay. Well, I think need is, is definitely the, uh, is, is an interesting word. Uh, because where, you know, I think depending on the business owner can take that a couple of different ways. You know, it's really hard to tell anybody that you need HR, that you need overhead, that you need a, what well, I mean, might be perceived as a non-revenue driving cost center. And, uh, and so, and that's something that I've had to learn over time. And when we say YHR, it is to, it's more about education, and it's more about educating employers on, uh, you know, when it comes to having a people strategy that aligns with your business strategy and finding where the very, you know, expensive cost can come from turnover that by not having a, a strong people strategy, that costs that can hit your business by not being in compliance. Uh, just, just simple things that, um, you know, we, we start a business, we have a great idea, uh, as you should, and you just want to drive that top line because you want to build something. Um, but anybody knows that if you're going to build something for the long term, you've got to have a good foundation. And it's always been the goal at YHR is to educate on that foundation and how HR can support those dreams of building that skyscraper, whatever that may look like for your business. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that. <clears throat> Education is one of your key focuses because I know prominently on your website, and one thing that you do a ton is speaking. Yeah. Um, through chamber organizations or other organizations that you're a part of. Um, so let's just, if someone needs someone to come speak about HR, what are some of those topics that you find most business owners or leaders need to hear about? Yeah, uh, definitely the most common and the one that I think is always the most attractive anyway is culture. You know, people want... Uh, associations want business owners are, are very attracted to the idea of what is culture, what makes a healthy culture, what does that actually look like, and um, and and I think it's it's a very attractive topic. At the same time, it's also a very difficult topic. It's it's very difficult to 
uh, you know, educate business owners that it's not all about, you know, the break room and all the, the frills and thrills. Um, that culture really comes down to a baseline of just creating a safe environment for employees that they can come to work without a, you know, a fear of discrimination or harassment or retaliation. And that's just a very, you know, what does it take to create that environment so that you can provide the frills and thrills of why somebody would want to go and say, yes, like I love where I work and I want to encourage other people to utilize my company or encourage other people to come work with me. And, uh, and being able to lay that out, uh, especially in a, in a training or public speaking forum is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. I remember one of the first times I heard you speak, one of the aspects of culture you brought up was consistency. In other words, uh, not letting a high performer kind of still break the culture and be a jerk uh, and get away with it when everyone else is being held accountable. Uh, culture has obviously been a huge thing the last few years. Having been in this for 20 years, do you recall if there was a, a time where culture kind of came into the mainstream more or has it always been there and just maybe has been bubbling up every now and then? No, I think it's, no, I think culture has always been a hot topic. I mean, everybody wants to say we're the greatest place to work. Everybody wants to make it into the top 10 list that, you know, your local uh, publication, you know, puts out and it says, you know, best places to work. And, and so it's always, um, you know, you want to be that company, but the harder thing to do is actually is to actually support that statement. It's one thing to say, or, you know, make the top 10 list and however, you know, that may be judged uh, that you're in that list. But the more difficult thing is when you have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody that actually works in that company, are they going to support that statement? Are they going to say, yeah, this is one of the best places to work and here's why? Have you ever had a difficult conversation where you went to one of your clients and said, you say the best place, you want to be the best place, but here are some things that you're dealing with. That maybe was a tough conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and that's a, that is a tough conversation to have, but it's also great. It's also a great conversation to have because I don't think there's a business owner out there that wants to have a toxic work environment. A lot of those things happen because you're just busy. You're busy. And it goes back to, you mentioned it earlier. I, I talked a lot about consistency and the more that we can create consistent processes and policy that everybody understands and they know why we have those policies, um, that they're more likely to, to kind of fall in those lines and stay within those parameters because they support the mission. And a lot, and that that's important because the less we have of that, and then you're out there as an owner that you're driving business and which is all great things, you can lose sight and all of a sudden people kind of make their own way. Yeah. And and that's not always a great thing. That yeah. could create some toxicity. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, wow, I've, I've, I really do have a problem. Yeah. And I th so let's dive into that because I, I think that's pretty critical. There's a, likely a ton of our listeners, all five of them probably at this point, uh, who are sitting there thinking, that's me. So may maybe two or three things that a business owner can pause and look at to recognize and do kind of a self-check of is our culture starting to be affected? Yeah. Any, anything you can throw out there for that? Well, definitely retention rates are a big deal. Okay. You know, you definitely want to see, you know, what is my retention rate, turnover rate, however you want to phrase it. 
um, you know, over the last few years. And we know there's been some tough times, especially with COVID that maybe can skew some of those numbers, but, um, you know, knowing and, and, and the key with turnover rates is to not just brush it off. You know, you like you, you see turnover, you see it happening and you can only ignore it for so long and just say, well, that's their problem, not my problem. Well, okay. But that's one more person that's out in the job market that has insider knowledge on your company that could be saying many things. And what does that actually look like? And what does that sound like? And so you want to pay attention to what that turnover looks like. And you want to have vehicles to uh, get in there. You know, for us as a business, one of the things we do for our clients are exit interviews. You know, we, we talk to anybody that's leaving the company and we want to know why, you know, what is it that you're looking for somewhere else that you weren't, that this company wasn't able to provide you. And that's great data points. There's, there's a lot of excellent data points that a, a business can tap into uh, should they want to. Uh, with their people. And what we've also tried to do is get, instead of having the ex interview when somebody's already decided to leave is to have stay interviews. You know, why, why is it that you've stayed with us for this long? And if you were going to go somewhere else, uh, what would you be leaving for? Maybe there's a gap, whether it's in benefits or pay that we're not addressing that it would be good to know and get out in front of it before, you know, some of our best employees walk out the door. Okay. By nature, I'm I'm more of a cynical person, <laughs> and I always think, I always think exit interviews are you know how much actual value in there. You've been doing this a long time. You've got a lot yeah. of people you work with. Um, obviously, they yeah. really do work. So if there's someone not not doing exit interviews, I think the stay interviews are brilliant. Um, is it just kind of a, you send you send something out to everyone yeah. as a survey? Maybe what's uh, what's some things that they can do to 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 get that advantage. Yeah. Well, on the exit interview side, you mentioned being a cynical person. I get it. I absolutely. And I will tell you, we go into those and we talk to business owners about this is that we're not just taking one phrase from one employee and saying, Oh, you have a culture problem that that's not what actually happens. We are, this is over a long period of time and we're looking for common threads, you know, what continually comes up and with those common threads, if you're combining that with a stay interview, which yes, could come in the form of a survey or an actual third-party company that's coming in and talking to your employees um, and seeing what those common threads actually look like. And that's the stuff you want to pay attention to yeah. and, and say, okay, maybe there is something here. And what does it look like to address that? And, you know, it's, it's a turnover is expensive. Yeah. Um, business owners probably don't realize how much money they have at their disposal to maybe add some of these things into their business that they don't realize because of truly the cost of turnover. And if we can eliminate that, the actual savings that's in the company to provide whatever that benefit may be. Brilliant. I love it. I imagine there's some companies that come to you, not just because they know they need you, but because they probably screwed up somewhere along the way. It happens. Any any fun stories about uh, maybe a client that came to you after they realized it? Uh, that could be a you know a kind of a, a good heads up for why. Since there are a lot of small businesses who don't think they need it yeah. until they do get burned. Right. Maybe something that can. Oh yeah, that that is something I'm not considered. Yeah, and I would say that in our world, unfortunately, a lot of introductions um, are due to a reaction. Uh, of something that's taken place. Uh, certainly, you know, don't not here to, to spill dirty laundry on clients, but but I will say 
a very common thing that takes place is a misclassification of employees versus contractors. Um, and then they go through whether it's an IRS or Department of Labor audit. And that's, that's a big deal. Misclassification is one of the biggest things that we see, especially in small businesses, um, because it's real easy to say, hey, I want to hire somebody as a contractor before I bring them in as an employee. And that's really not how that works. Uh, yes, there are such things as contractors, and th- but there's a way that that is structured so that you don't get dinged by, by the government. So what happens yeah. when you do that wrong? Well, you got to look at it like this. If you're paying somebody as a contractor that should be an employee, what's actually taking place is that you are in essence, denying a contractor benefits that they would otherwise be afforded as an employee. And so that can, depending on, you know, what type of company you have and, you know, do you have retirement plans, health insurance, um, you know, overtime, there's, there's a lot of things that can compound in there. And, and certainly there's a legal aspect of that. And I'm not an attorney, so I'm not here to speak from that side of things, but strictly from a auditing standpoint, when we go in, there are, there's a clear, you know, checklist of items that we go through to help a, a business not get caught in that trap and to help educate them. And the big thing is, 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 is the education piece. That's what we always lean in on. And a business owner can decide, you know, to what extent and what risk that they want to take sure. and go in the other way. But so that's one area. Uh, another area is salary versus hourly employees. Um, it's really easy to pay an employee on a salary so you don't have to track their hours. But again, you're dealing with Department of Labor, wage and hour laws, and uh, it would not be uncommon for me to get a, uh, a referral from a client who's been dinged in that area and says, you know, I need somebody to come and, and assess this from the, uh, we, that's the Fair Labor Standards Act for anybody that wants to do some homework on that. Uh, that's what we're talking about, but that's what our, our expertise lies and, and we would go in and help that business. Yeah. So contractors obviously huge in, in every state. Um, I've always been under the impression if I tell, if I, if I tell someone you need to be here this time, do this, do that, and use these tools to do it, sure. that's leaning more towards an employee. That's right. It's not a super scientific and probably a great way to do it, but um, it, what are some... No, it's fair. Maybe one, you know... What we're talking about is control. Okay. Yeah, it's the control test. I mean, it's a control test over, uh, you know, the schedule. It's a control test over using their equipment versus our equipment. Um, you know, I always say... If you're trying to figure out, let's use the the lawn mowing company. So if I run an apartment complex and I own all of my own equipment and I need to hire somebody to keep the grounds, I'm going to hire an employee that's going to use my equipment. They come in, they unlock the, the shed, and then they take that equipment out and they take care of the place. That's an employee. But if I'm going to hire a crew to come and they, I'm paying them to show up and bring their own equipment because I don't have my own. Think of your house, yeah. right? That's a contractor. Okay. They're using their equipment. They come and do those things. And that's just a good uh, way to think about it with your own, you know, staff that you have. And if you are listening to this and you're like, oh, wow, I may have an employee uh, that I'm paying as a contractor and want to take a closer look at that, I would highly advise that uh, it doesn't have to be us, but obviously there's a lot of great legal counsel out there and other HR pros that um, that's a big thing for sure. But it should be you. Everyone call, everyone call back. <laughs> uh, Appreciate it. I love, I love hearing um, entrepreneur journey. So tell me what the journey from employee somewhere to business owner, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So um, 
I guess it, to an extent you could say I've always had a little bit of an entre- entrepreneurial bug. Um, I think that's a probably pretty generic answer, but um, it's true. And in the HR world, I never really saw that as an option. So when it came to doing something on my own, whatever that may be, I never really saw it as HR. Be real really? Honest. Why is well, that? So if you go to school for HR, um, there's not like a business development class that you go through. There's no entrepreneurial, you know, this is what you could do with this degree. I mean, it's very much a corporate, you know, corporation style machine. I mean, you go to school for an HR degree to move into corporate America, get that HR assistant job to the generalist coordinator, whatever it may be, manager, VP, business partner, all the different job titles. But it is something that that's just what you do. And that's, that's your success. That's your success meter uh, in following that journey and uh, that ladder. And for me, uh, I did that. That's exactly what I did. And I did that for almost a good 12 years. I, everything that I just said, you know, holding those positions. And I, I got to that point where, and there were some scenarios that took place and I'll, I'll shelve those for, shelve those for right now, but um, that I had met some HR consultants. And so when I was, had the whole thought process of like, okay, am I really going to do this on my own? What does that look like? Uh, that I had tapped into and tried to figure out how they did it and what that looked like. And nothing ever really resonated for me. Um, but I knew one thing for sure is that I had a passion for small businesses. And I knew that in small business, that HR is a very expensive thing to tap into for resources that every business owner goes through and needs. But the problem is, it goes back to my ladder scenarios that HR gets kind of driven into this corporate ladder and, you know, the expertise that any business owner needs, true expertise is in that kind of HR director, manager, business partner role, which is extremely expensive. I mean, that's 75 to $120,000 a year based on size company that there's just no way. And I think a lot of business owners think that way. So I had to change the way that I looked at that business model and said, how can I create something that brings that expertise into the trenches with these small businesses to support them and it not break the bank? And so that's kind of where that that thought process started. And I had no idea if a business owner would say yes. Uh, you know, I mean, if you think about it, most people who start their own business, I mean, they are running, in a sense, they're running away from the uh, the structure and the HR department that was always telling them what, what they can't do, right? Uh, whatever company they worked for. And so I, I had to approach it from a uh, kind of an overcorrecting standpoint. So, you know, a business owner leaves big corporate America, decides to start their own business. They leave all that. I'm I'm not going to have an HR department, leave all that behind. It's kind of like driving a car. You overcorrect the other direction. And we found our voice and being able to say, let's bring it back to the middle and, and show what that support could look like and find that balance. And I think that's really, once we were able to get that message out, all of a sudden a few people said, yes, and then they told their friends and their business owners, business owners, same with business owners. And I finally started to see a light of this, this could be what I do. Yeah. And so that's kind of how that went for me. Yeah. Cause th- you know, typically you have either the business owner or the, or the office managers trying to do that role oh, and yeah. they, they don't know what they're doing and they're Googling stuff. 
And it seems like there's maybe two ways to go when a company decides they want to go that route. There's outsourced to a consulting company like yourselves, and I'm going to get the abbreviations wrong, is PEO. Yeah, professional employer organization. Yeah, they're out there as well. Two completely different ways to approach that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, one, obviously, you're, you know, you're actually now paying through the the PEO, and one, you're still maintaining a lot of that yourselves. That's right. Um, How can a company kind of help think through which route might be best for them? I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, and we go taking a lot longer for us to go through. Well, and we go through that with businesses that are trying to have those discussions. And I mean, the PEO, that truly, that's employee leasing. So you're leasing, you're leasing back your employees for a fee. Okay. So at the PEO, they're, that's, they're actually employed by the PEO. And, uh, and so there are some restraints there and that you have to understand as a business owner that you're in a way giving up. Um, and, and that's fine. That, that can work for some, uh, for our model. That's obviously, we didn't want to do that. I mean, there are, there are plenty of PEOs out there. Why do that? Um, and so for us, it was about, we wanted to be more of an in-house HR department. You know, COVID was an interesting year for us because when I think a lot of businesses started scaling back, it actually proved our business model. Yeah. It was a prover for us because just like these larger companies, they all sent their HR departments home and they still continued to function. Right. So it was like, yeah, remote HR can work. And here I was with an HR company with all of that expertise uh, that was there to be that support in every single way that an in-house HR department was acting in that exact same way from their house, uh, supporting these larger companies. And so that, really was a launch pad for us where businesses started seeking out that guidance uh, from, you know, hey, who's an HR consultant that's out there? Oh, and you can be my in-house HR department. And it really, it, it hit that launch pad. Yeah. seems like with the, your approach gives the owner much more flexibility and control over how they want to navigate things. Yeah. When you go with a PEO and again, it is to each their own. You got to decide what's best for you, but you know, a PEO is in it for their best interests. So, you know, that's a, uh, you know, they're going to determine the risk essentially. Um, I'm a business owner. I, I want to re- determine my risk. And um, that's part of what I think is great about being a business owner. I get to decide what my risk level is, where my risk tolerances are, what I want to, uh, you know, what I want to give into and what I won't budge on. And, and I think that's, what's great about the way that we're set up is that that still exists so that when we're engaging with a business owner, it truly is an education points. We're not a do's and don'ts. We're an ifs and thens. You know, if you decide to do this, then this is what you need to be aware of. And then that business owner is fully educated on, okay, I I feel comfortable taking this risk or you're right. I need to adjust my policies and fall in line. Yeah. And I think that's huge because I think a lot of businesses don't realize that there's an option like you out there. Sure. So no, absolutely. Fantastic. Um, okay. So going back to your business owner journey, you start this up. Yeah. Was there ever a point that you got into it and you were like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> um, probably right out of the gate, uh, was a little bit of that. Um, I, I, I had to, I had to change my business model in the very beginning. So the, as I mentioned, I had to, I met with some HR consultants to see how they were doing business. 
And everybody was pretty much set up this way. Again, not a bad thing. It's just a different way of doing it. But they were set up to where they were billing a block of hours. So I'm going to sell you a block of hours. I'm going to bill you a block of hours. Okay. Um, or maybe it was project work that they were doing by the hour. And, and so when I started, I, I did that. And I found myself constantly chasing down companies. I always cha- I spent more hours chasing down the business owner to complete a form just so I could complete a policy and then bill them for that policy. Right. I mean, it was just, it was just the, the turnaround was terrible. Um, and I didn't feel like there was like a really good relationship there. It was very transactional. And so I took a step back and decided to come up with this all in model. In other words, based on how many employees you have, you're going to pay me this flat fee. It's kind of that you're going to win some and lose some on months based on how many hours I'm going to pour into that business. But I'm here when you need me, which is a very proactive, which I believe is the way to do it. In in my opinion, I believe, I truly believe this, that just like an in-house HR department, if I'm a CEO, I want to be able to pick up the phone and walk around the corner to my HR team and, and talk it out without having to, to think if I pick up the phone, I'm getting built. Like it's already built in. And once I made that shift, um, that's really where I had, I got a few people to say yes. And it kind of took off. I, I remember when I first started out, I was charging, I think it was like 250 bucks a month. Um, I didn't care how many employees you had. I just needed somebody to say yes. I was like, that's a low enough bar. Oh, man. That's a low enough bar that there will be somebody that will say yes to that. And I wasn't wrong, yeah. but I didn't know where I could take that. And I remember being in a, in a, a referral that came across and I was in this office and I mean, just re- you could tell, I mean, they spent some money and I was surrounded by money and I just sat there and they hadn't seen my contract, but they knew who I was. And I, they had a whole table of people just drilling me with questions and what this relationship would look like. And then at the very end, they're like, so what do you charge? I just remember I was just sitting there. I'm like, I'm crazy if I say 250, yeah. but I just said, fi- I just doubled it. I was at 500 and without flinching, they were like, yes. I'm like, okay, all right. Now, now we have something that is attractive, yeah. right? And I need to, one, I need to rethink and put some more structure behind what this actually looks like. Um, but it was, it was a nice prover, I think in, in business, especially for those business owners that are out there. I imagine we can all find that point in time where it's like, okay, this is going to, this, I think this is going to work. Yeah. And, and that was it for me. R- for roughly sure. how far in would you say you were six months, a year, two years? I would say at that time I was not, not quite a year. I'd say closer to a little over six months. Okay. Yeah. I would say six months into the, that kind of new business model that I was trying closer to a year from whenever I actually hit the ground, hit the ground running. Yeah. I love you had the guts to do that. Yeah, it was it was a little crazy. Yeah, most most because I mean you think about it, and I'm sure now you look back, and I'm sure it's significantly more what it would be now now that you have been doing it. But it, a lot of people would sit there and think, "There's no way I can say double," um, <laughs> but you have those guts and you do it, and the recognition of where you're at to do that. Well, it it, it worked out. It worked out. And then we've built from there. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm glad that we're able to provide that type of service. And, and so far it's continuing to make sense and we've been able to grow from it. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the people listening are busy business owners. I know you're crazy busy. So 
what was it you said, you know what, I need to help start up another business. The catalyst for um, the, uh, oh, I had the name right in front of me, Physicians Local. Okay. Um, and so tell us a little bit, I, I, and maybe there's not much to tell, maybe that's not a huge deal, but yeah. the fact that you decided to, to start something that's seemingly pretty different from, yeah. from YHR, what's the story there? Yeah, that was an interesting scenario. Uh, I'll give you the short version of this is that I, uh, being just in a lot of these networking groups, uh, that as a part of, there were a lot of, uh, you know, people coming up with ideas or having existing projects that they were trying to flip or sell or, or do something with. And, and this was a project that came along, uh, not a big time investment type project, but it was, uh, I felt like it was a, there was, there was a, a printed magazine, I think it's the best way to describe it, that was for free. Basically, they were selling ad space uh, and they were trying to advertise the local physicians in the market within that area. Like, let's just say Northwest Oklahoma City. All right. So that's what it was. And I looked at it and I said, you know, I think there's a better way to do this. And I actually had my HR brain on, uh, my cap on. So it wasn't completely out of left field. Uh, one of the things that I think is always tough for employees, and I experienced this just because I've been an employee myself, is trying to find a doctor and one that works well for your family. And there's not a good way. There wasn't really a good way to do that. You know, there's not like a some of these places have a, a bio that you can go out there and do your homework on. Is this right for me? Is this right for my family or for my children or whatever that may look like? And so there was kind of this baseline that had been created with this printed publication that I thought, you know, this person's trying to give this away, not give it away. They're selling it. And I think I could do it better. And I think I just need somebody that is a little bit more tech savvy that can take this from print to something more uh, in the marketing space. I also learned along the way that uh, a lot of marketing companies kind of shy away from the medical field. I mean, it's very technical. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, there's, I mean, there's definitely some players in there, but it's not saturated by any means. And so it was one of those opportunities where um, I was like, I want to keep it simple. I want to create an online publication that shows employees, you know, who their physicians are, uh, who their doctors are, that they can have a more educated view of who they would like to go take their family to. And so that was the whole premise. And then that really took a left turn. Uh, once I got a business partner involved, um, great, also entrepreneur himself, web developer by the name of Ralph Miller. Uh, and he came in and he became... Uh, the driving force of, hey, I think, you know, due to this space and the medical space that we can expand out to really anybody that needs that extra layer of support. Kind of like what I was doing on the HR side for small businesses, mm -hmm. that there were a lot of independent practices being started up that needed that same level of help, but from a marketing standpoint. So it was always about getting their voice out. And so that people knew who they were and their practices as independent physicians and connecting the audience to these, these doctors. Um, but it, it definitely transformed over time. I don't know how to describe it, but uh, it's still in existence. And Ralph is the driving force behind that. Um, he and I both have since got into the direct primary care space uh, with a company called Duple. 
And that's even, even more transformative, I think, because that particular company is now allowing employers to tap into direct primary care for their employees. And that includes part-time employees that typically wouldn't be afforded insurance of any kind. And now they can have essentially a membership based, uh, a physician for them and their family. And so that's a, that's a big, I would say that's, it's kind of cool how the road has gone, but it's all kind of led to this, which I feel like is a really huge thing. So. And direct primary care is becoming more well-known, but for those who aren't familiar with it, what is direct primary care? So it's non-insurance based care. So you, it's uh, it, it exists outside of your insurance uh, or if you don't have insurance, either way, but it is, think of your family physician that you might have, family care physicians. So these are essentially generalists that you would go to, um, but they have gone out, started their own practice. And instead, again, of having insurance, it's a membership. So think of it kind of like your gym membership. You pay a monthly membership, you go when you want to go, when you need to go. And you don't, every time you walk into the gym, you don't, you know, pay a copay, you don't give them 10 bucks so that you can already, so you can go use the machine. You just go and you walk in and you get seen and you're not rushed out the door. Uh, It's a true VIP level of care. Any time that you need it, when you need it, and, uh, and you're not paying VIP prices. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, really cool. And what we've done on the duple side and what that actually is, it's a, it's now a platform because so many of these direct primary care practices, they're kind of individual practice, very siloed and, uh, which is great. Uh, we're glad that they've done that. And what we've been able to do is bring them underneath an umbrella so that for a company, and that's what we specialize, just companies, uh, they can, bring this to their employees and their employees have all the options, even though there may be 20 different practices, it doesn't matter. They're underneath the one umbrella that becomes an option for those employees. Oh, wow. I love it. And I know that we talked about that before. I, I only see that model growing as insurance rates increase. And that's right. I mean, it's huge. Who, who I mean, nobody likes dealing with or talking about insurance and yeah. Um, so I love that. I love that you're able to start going into companies and let them provide that as a benefit. Absolutely. And I will tell you that's, and it's, I tell you, it's these, again, it's these, uh, these, these doctors, these physicians, these providers that have taken a risk and they've, yeah. they've all stepped outside of their comfort zone of the big, uh, hospital systems where that's where they've been. I mean, this isn't some, you know, a provider that just showed up, you know, they, they've all gone to school. They were already working, you know, within the same facilities we all go to around here. Um, and they've stepped out and started their own thing and they wanted to do it this way for a reason. And again, I, it really just aligns mission wise with kind of where we come at it from the HR side is that it's, it truly is proactive care. You're taking control of your health and you can get in there and uh, get that when you need it. And it's it's not a reactive relationship, which is your insurance that you absolutely dread having to figure out, you know, are they going to balance bill me for whatever it may be, you know, that you get seen for. So awesome. I love it. It's exciting. Uh, on the HR side. Now, I know we're not going to we're not going to go air dirty laundry. <laughs> But I'm always amazed at the crazy things people try to get away with at work. And I think it's always fun just to hear stories. Do you have any stories that you're comfortable sharing and you don't have to? We can skip this all together. Yeah. 
But just anything fun or funny that you've seen or investigated or just kind of like, what the heck were they thinking? Oh, there's... Uh, <laughs> you say, what the heck were they thinking? Uh, we say that probably on a pretty regular basis. Um, Almost in a spit take there. Yeah. yeah well, you know, it's... <laughs> it's it, and, and I'll say this, and this is to the business owners out there. Um, we regularly on the regular, you know, and, and a, an owner will tell us, you know, Matt, I'm so sorry. This only happens here. And I have to continue to let them know. It's like, it doesn't, <laughs> I promise you it doesn't. I mean, there are, you know, I think you talk about crazy things, uh, you know, our world from an investigative standpoint, I do a lot of investigations. It's something that's probably on a weekly basis. I'm investigating something somewhere. Um, and, it, our job has become so much easier because for some reason, employees continue to put stuff in text messages. Uh, all the evidence is there. It's like, yep, that definitely happened. And I'm amazed by that. Like I truly continue to be amazed that um, the job has gotten easier instead of harder in that space because it, what people are just, I guess they just don't think anybody's going to find out. I have no idea, but it's a, uh, it continues to happen. Uh, so looking down the road, what changes do you see coming? Do you like what's coming next? Are we going to have, you know, is the job market going to get easier to find staff? Do we have new regulations coming? Kind of what, what are you planning for the next big thing that business owners need to maybe be thinking about? Yeah. Uh, if you're watching the news right now, um, you know, one of the big things is non-competes that's been in the news quite a bit oh, yeah. as of late. And so we're obviously watching that very closely um, there are some great law firms in our state that uh, send out good updates. And so we're following them very closely to see, you know, what that looks like. Um, those are some of the, uh, that's probably the biggest thing on the legislation side. Um, I always tell people when it comes to independent contractor versus employees, it never, those types of regulations never get uh, more loose. So it only becomes I would say more strict um, in that we're going to see more on the, you know, falling into the employee category as opposed to independent contractor. Um, obviously flexible work schedules, uh, remote work where it makes sense. Um, and what we're going to see in that space is uh, policy. A lot of companies have dove headfirst into allowing for flexible work. Uh, you mentioned, you know, hiring people. Well, we're companies where it makes sense to be able to hire remote um, they've had to be not to, normally cause they want to, but they've had to, cause it is the job market is tight right now and trying to find people. And if that's available, that's great. But then you have to check all the boxes of, okay, what type of work are they doing from their house? And do they have, well, what you do, do they have the it security that they should have, you know, to be, do that work from there? If they're working from a, uh, a coffee shop every day or do they truly, again, are they, is that data that's on that computer secure enough? Are the firewalls there? Yeah. And so the companies are really having to think through what those policies look like and the constraints they put on their employees if they're going to go that direction. Yeah. And a lot of that is being done in a very reactive way. And in some cases, uh, it's because issues have happened. Hacking has taken place. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's a big deal. Yeah. And you've got to think through all of it. But we're gonna. that's not going to go away. Yeah. And so you need to... It's not just about, hey, we're going to be the fun company and allow you to work from home. That's great. Uh, you got to put the structure in place and that's to protect your business. Yeah. This is not, you know, to just 
put restraints on them. This is to protect what you've created. And uh, just hopefully business owners are thinking that way. Especially when they think this is great. Now we're moving to hiring remotely. We can get the best people, the sure. best candidates from across the country. Yeah. And now they're hiring from states they've never been in before. And they've got to figure out are they properly set up in that state. Not only are they properly set up, but you just, you nailed it. Is uh, That's a big education point for us is that, you know, every state has their own employment laws. And just because you're based in Oklahoma or you're based in Texas or you're based in Florida, um, if you hire somebody that's in Massachusetts or you hire somebody that's in Oregon or California, those state laws apply. And there's some in there that you may not be aware of or even like. And uh, that's a thing. And there's a reason that we saw this with the big tech companies. It's not uncommon for a large tech company, even out of California, that will say, hey, we're going to allow you to work here remotely. But by the way, you can only work in these 15 states. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, if you think about it, where do you want to do business? Where do you want to get registered as a company? And then what employment laws do you want to work within and which ones do you don't? And there's a lot to be considered that even from a small business aspect, um, we need to hit the pause button and really think through all of those things and know that, oh, that's that makes a lot of sense. Maybe I should think about that before I just put a job posting out on Indeed that says, I don't care where you live, come work for me. Yeah. Yeah. So how that how is that affected if you hire someone, you know, the big deal right now is being able to just up and move. So you hire someone and they start off in California and then they move to Nevada. Yeah. And so now you've got to re-register with Nevada because their residence changed. Oh yeah. 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 They, I mean, that's uh, where you pay in on your payroll taxes and uh, yeah, it's, it's where they're located. Good night. Yeah. Need to be aware. It seems like someone needs to be able to inform you and help you make those decisions. That's a true story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt, this is awesome. I always love getting great. I always love getting in chat. Um, so a couple a couple of questions we'd like to end with. Uh, okay. what is one piece of technology that you could not live without? <laughs> wow. Uh technology. Um, I guess uh, that'd be my phone. Cause I can, I mean, I've got my, my team's chat that's on there um, as well as my contacts and my email and I can do quite a bit for my phone. Yeah. So if everything goes down, I mean, that's uh, I, it's, it's stressful to say that, but at the same time, like that's, yeah, I'd have to go with that. All right. And if someone wants to connect with you, uh, maybe learn more about the services that YHR offers. Yeah. How can they get in touch? So I'll go ahead and put my own personal email out there, which is Matt, M-A-T-T, at Y-H-R, that's W-H-Y-H-R dot guru, G-U-R-U. Um, or you can just go to our website, Y-H-R dot guru, and uh, there's an info sheet on there. You can send that, and it just goes straight to my email. Perfect. Yeah, I love it. Thanks again. Oh, That's thank fantastic. you. I'm, I'm glad you're doing this. I know it's, I'm sure, a huge service to the business owners out there. So, well, we're having fun. I mean, what's... How better could be just to hang out with some friends and learn stuff and have a good time? I love it. That's good stuff. No, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. The 
Oklahoma Business Show is proudly sponsored by Your IT, managed IT services and cybersecurity for Oklahoma businesses. Are you a business leader who's frustrated with your current technology, worried about cyber threats, and too damn busy to handle it yourself? Your IT makes IT easy. With clear and transparent pricing and the ability to customize services to fit your unique business needs. Visit yourit.com to learn more about our services and schedule a chat to find out how we can help you. That's y-o-u-r-i-t dot com. You deserve better IT.